Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Today is Thursday. It's around 1245 in the afternoon on the beautiful campus of Michigan State in East Lansing. This is Courtside Combo, Courtside Convo, if I could talk today, episode four. We are joined today with your host, Bobby Zuffro, uh, co-host Zach Serdinick, Josh Rayapan, Darren Baydoon, and Carter Landis. So to start the show, we'll just on everyone's mind is the Clippers and Denver series. Nuggets come back from three to one again, the only team in NBA history to come back from multiple 3-1 deficits. They beat the Clippers 104 to 89 in game seven. Crazy series. Um, we'll start with Zach. What, what are your takeaways from that crazy ass series? Man, I think that I really wanted that to happen. I really wanted the Nuggets to win that series, but I did not see it coming at all. Um, somebody, I saw somebody on Twitter say something that really made a good point to me, and I agree with it. They said that the fourth quarter of that game seven, it wasn't just that the Nuggets won that beat the Clippers there. The Clippers, the Clippers gave up. Like the Nuggets hit some shots and the Clippers just gave up. Like Paul George hitting the side of the backboard on that three. I mean, that was just like, oh, it was really disappointing for the Clippers. And then to come out and say, I know everybody made a big deal about his statement saying that it was never championship or bust for them. Well, I mean, what else is he going to say? We suck. Like, he's not going to say that. Yeah, they're disappointed. They, they should have won that series, and they should have won – the Nuggets were down double digits in at least their last three wins in that series at some point in the game. And all of a sudden, I think you started to realize that there was a chance that the Nuggets might win that game when the Clippers went up double digits and then right away the Nuggets were right back within two at the half. And then they just kept pulling away and the Clippers just kept not responding. And it was just, it was really fun to watch for someone who wanted the Nuggets to win but really not fun to watch after picking the Clippers to make the finals in the last episode of this podcast. Uh, Josh, you want to go? All right. So I know this is kind of painful for me because I know in recent podcasts, I've always been very high on the Clippers throughout this whole entire time, even from the beginning of the season. I'm pretty sure I picked them to win the championship, but we're really just, I mean, there's just a lot of ways I can just go on what went wrong for the Clippers because there was not one. But, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, I mean, you're a top five player in the league, and you play like that in game seven. You're going to go sit here making New Balance commercials, calling yourself the king of L.A., and you go sit here and drop zero points in the fourth That's quarter. That's city, right? <laughs> That's his city. And you drop zero points in the fourth quarter of an elimination game. And you want me to sit here and say you're a top five player, and I know it's recency bias, so I don't want to go too hard on him. He's still a great player. I still have him in my top five, but you can't sit here and go him and Paul George, 24 points, 10 for 38 field goals, 4 for 18 from three. And let me just – I could go off for Paul George for a long time on how he's played in the playoffs, but, I mean, when you trade how many first-round picks for Paul George to go for, what, two for 11 in a game seven – and it, it goes beyond the star players. I mean, even the bench players didn't show up except for Montrezl Harrell 
too. I mean, you just it just baffles my mind because this team had it all on paper. I mean, you have two quality stars. You have great players off your bench, and they were probably the deepest team that we saw in the league for, like, up until the last three games. So it's just it, it just baffles my mind. And as much as we want to sit here and talk about the Clippers choking and Doc Rivers' coaching decisions as well, playing Reggie Jackson, we also got to give a lot of credit to the Nuggets. I don't see a lot of people talking about how great the Nuggets played. I mean, Mike Malone has just been out-coaching each coach the last two series. I mean, he's been making quality adjustments. Nikola Jokic, I mean, Kawhi needs to take notes on Jokic and Murray because, I mean, they showed you how to step up in the game seven. They showed you how to step up when you're down 3-1 the last two series. I mean, he's put up insane numbers, 16, 22 rebounds, 13 assists from Jokic, and then Murray drops 40 points. I mean – I mean, you saw the last three hit fading away from the three-point line with, like, two minutes left. I mean, it's just – it just baffles me. And I, I can rant on a lot about it, but, I mean, I'm just – I just say it's disappointing, just this series in general. For Clippers fans, it's just a basketball fan, just seeing a team, like, just be so depleted, just out of nowhere, just flip a switch. I saw a tweet from Ice Cube that said uh, the Clippers are really a second-round dynasty, which <laughs> cracked me up. Uh, who wants to go next? I'll go. I'll go. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we all pretty much got – we all had to eat crow on on our predictions for how that how we thought that series was going to end. But you know what? No, I, hey, listen, Josh, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll give all the credit to Denver because you can't – I mean, listen, the, the first team to come back 3-1 – for two straight series in a row, I mean, it's it's something that we'll probably never see again just because it's so it's so hard. It takes so much to have to to have to pull out both you know a, a, to win a series when you're down by that much. It's why I mean we have, we've barely seen it at all. It, it, well, you know we barely seen it at all just in general. Not to not to mention seeing it two times in a row by the same team. Um, and I'll give credit because I was thinking going into this series. Like, the way Denver played the Clippers, like, in terms of winning game five um, and then eventually after they won game six, I really thought I, – I genuinely think that they are – I thought – I really do think this is the third best team, at least in the NBA. I thought, like, this is a really good team. They're deep. They have Jokic. They have Murray. And Murray, the way he played, it's – watching that game and watching just the absolutely di- disappearing act of Paul, of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and just no one – the Clippers, they didn't make a shot until there was, I believe, a little over five minutes left in the fourth quarter in, in, in game seven. And that was even – even that was on an offensive rebound. Like, it's – like, it was just the total ineptitude of a guy who last year in the playoffs averaged 30 points. One beat the 76ers on a, on a shot that bounced four different times, whatever the number was. It's like Kawhi Leonard – became the man last year legitimately like in the in the one year where LeBron did make the playoffs Kawhi was like he was it looked like he was ready to grab that mantle he was ready to grab that ring and he was going to take the crown and now it it this is just it's so it's like this is this is so inexplicable and I, and I sent this to you guys in our in our chat I'm like I know what you can I, I know what you can say about um Golden State losing to the Cavs. I know what you can say about the Heat and losing to the Mavericks. But considering the expectations for this team, 
And considering the fact that it didn't happen in the conference finals, it didn't happen in the finals, it happened in the second round. I feel like this is the, the worst choke job in the history of the NBA playoffs. Considering what the Clippers were supposed to be and the fact that this was supposed to be the battle of L.A. and it was going to be LeBron versus Kawhi, it was going to be A.D. versus Paul, like that's what it was supposed to be. And you were up 3-1. And you can't do it. And you can't do it. And even and Paul George was like at the press comments later. And he's like, you know, think about everything this year. You know, I don't think this was go. You know, I don't think this was ever a championship bust or bust season for us. It's like where where every other guy was like, yes, we wanted to win a championship. We expected to win a championship. It's like, no, it is. You don't give up what you do for Paul George to to say like, oh no, we're fine getting to a seventh game in the second round. No, you're not. You're not fine. This is. I mean, listen, it's – and it's just going to be like – I don't know what they're going to have to do. I don't know what adjustments Doc – because Doc Rivers, is, is, it said that he's going to be back next year. So, he's going to have to look at himself because he's also the only coach now to have given up – to have been a coach on a team that has been that has been come back on when they were up 3-1 three times. Three times this has happened to Doc Rivers' coach teams. So, he's got to have to look at himself and be like, what adjustments do I need to make? And Kawhi and Paul George – need to look at themselves and be like, what do we need to do? Because after this, you can't talk about Kawhi and LeBron in the same breath again. You, I mean, to me, like, there, there's, there's no doubt about that. You cannot, because LeBron has never, I mean, yeah, he didn't make the playoffs last year, but there was obviously a lot went into that just besides himself. But LeBron, he ain't never, I mean, LeBron ever since probably the second year he was in the playoffs, I don't think he's ever lost, at least in the second round. Or actually, no, he did lose to the Celtics in the, his last year in Cleveland. But other than that, like, that isn't happening to LeBron nine times. Like, that isn't happening to LeBron, basically. So, I mean, it's – you got Kawhi's got to look and say, what do I need to do in order for, for me to be better? And then the supporting cast of the Clippers, they need to step up. They need to get some chemistry because this is – I mean, again, this is just – I was shocked. I was just shocked by just how inept they really were at the end. I'm just like, I give all the credit to Denver. But when you're up 3-1 in the series with the talent you got and you don't finish it out, you are going to be looked at a very in a very different way going forward. And, and frankly, it's deserved. Yeah, so um, when, I, when I tweeted to promo our, our last episode, uh, one of the first things I said was uh, we were really excited for the, and I put in parentheses, the tentative battle of LA because, you know, the, the spot for the Clippers wasn't secured just yet. And we all kind of thought it was going to be. And, uh, and then obviously uh, it didn't turn out that way. Um, and I think obviously it's hilarious, you know, to make fun of the Clippers because, you know, even with, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, I think Kawhi is a pretty Teflon guy in terms of slander from, like, social media and whatnot. But he was catching so much on, uh, on Twitter the other night, and it was pretty bad. I mean, obviously, the brunt of it went to Paul George and, and Doc Rivers. Uh, and it's obviously, it's all pretty hilarious. But I said that I agreed with Darren. Um, it's probably, it's one of, if not the biggest disappointments in recent years, just because, you know, it was the series that we were looking forward to since July, since Kawhi and Paul George joined the Clippers, uh, them versus the Lakers. And the fact that they were eliminated in the second round with basically the series in hand, they were up 56 to 40 in game five when they could have put it away. And 
Marcus Morris says to Paul Millsap, uh, you might as you guys might as well just pack your bags right now. And that was the, uh, that was the kiss of death for the Clippers. Uh, you should have maybe said that one. Uh, the, but yeah, you got to give it to the Nuggets, man. This is a, this is an uber talented team. They, it seemed like they were just missing one piece or they just, there was just something there that they could not get over the hump, but they're pretty much, they're there now. I mean, they, they missed the Western conference finals last year by like that much because just Damian Lillard was on a miss, mission. Uh, and now they're there. Uh, I don't know how they're going to fare against the Lakers, but I guess we'll see. Um, just at no point will I, I think, will I count out the Lakers again, or the, the Lakers, the Nuggets, just because they've been, you know, in the hole 3-1 twice now, and they've dug themselves out of it. Uh, it's just, I love the way the team is constructed. I mean, Jokic's playoff performances, basically his entire career have been outstanding. They've been incredible. I think he averages something along the lines of 27, 11, and 7. And it's not even, you know, he's not even, he's posting these in like elimination games too. So he's, he's always there for, you know, he's always there. He always shows up. I mean, Murray's consistency has gotten better. Uh, Gary Harris, uh, getting him back, the Nuggets had a losing record in the playoffs without him, but now that he's back, they have a winning record. And I think, you know, adding a, a guy who can knock down some shots for you and play really good defense, he's probably their best defender. That's such a, big uh, crucial thing that you need on a team if you want to win the finals and not to mention they have Michael Porter Jr. who looks like he might be taking that step forward that he kind of that was kind of expected of him Uh, and then you have a wily veteran a tough guy in Paul Millsap and and then they got good scores off the bench Monte Morris Jeremy Grant I think every team needs a Jeremy Grant a guy a high energy guy who can knock down some shots for you um they're just they're built really well, and they they've got their toughest test against LeBron and the Lakers, but they look great. And uh, I guess back to the Clippers point, I with Darren the thing that it's like, oh Paul George said, you know we didn't we didn't need to win a title right now. Yeah, you did because they gave up their first round picks for the next you know like century or whatever. So, I mean the Clippers have to take a long hard look at themselves after blowing a series like this, uh, and. I know Doc Rivers come, uh, coming back. I think that's a questionable decision. Obviously, you know, he has the ties to Kawhi. He's basically – he's the reason that Kawhi is in L.A. with them. But they have to reconstruct a lot of things with that team. Um, Lou Williams was just an absolute embarrassment the entire playoffs pretty much. Uh, there weren't many highlights from him. Uh, Montrezl Harrell was all right. And Zubach was just not – was just almost unplayable. I mean, there were Kawhi had to almost carry this team, and it really shouldn't be that way. But it, it's I I don't I just don't know what their future is going to look like. Obviously, they're going to retain Kawhi and Paul George, but outside of that, I just I don't know. Yeah, just one last note on that series, I guess. Um, I know Josh had alluded to it uh, before, but yeah. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard combined 81 minutes, 24 points, 10 of 38 from the field, four of 18 from three, and a combined seven turnovers, and five of those were Paul George. Uh, Darren, did you want to say one last thing? I was going to say because, you know, there's among the, the main Twitter focus was the was C.J. McCollum and, and Damian Lillard's tweets about going back at them after after they after the clip, like Pat Bev and uh, – and Paul George had talked about, like, you know, when they were exiting the bubble, they were like, one, two, three, Cancun. You know what? Here's the thing. 
Beverly and whether if they re-sign Morris, they re-sign Montrez and all those guys, you, you better shut up at least until you win a title. You cannot talk anymore. You cannot talk <laughs> anymore whatsoever because you, after what you guys just did, uh-uh. You, either, you, you better win a title and you better just keep your mouth shut because there ain't anybody that's going to be having it like after that. And it's like, no. And I just, yeah. And I, and I just think that's another thing where I think the Clippers, because I've, I've, I've seen other writers and analysts bring this up, the sense of entitlement. Just them thinking like, oh, we got all this talent. We're going to be good. Like, we, we, you know, we're good. We don't got to worry about anybody. It's like, we just want to play the Lakers, you know, or whatever. It's like, you, you can't, you know, Jalen Rose brought up a great point of this. I was watching this the other day. You can't skip steps. You have to, you know, you can't be thinking that just because of all the talent, we can sit guys a bunch of times during the regular season. We don't have to take it all seriously and everything. Like, you got to commit to the full haul. That's why even when he's, even though LeBron was, you know, entering his age 35 season, he played every game. He played defense every game. He played heavy minutes because it's like, that's what you got to do to win a title. You got to be able to be all in so you know I just the, the Clippers just to me they really have to look really hard at themselves and be like and, and show like all right what do we really have to do to be the team we know as the old saying goes put up or shut up and they didn't put up so I guess that leaves one option yeah yeah <laughs> um so I guess we will move on uh Eastern Conference Finals uh game one has taken place already Miami won that one in a thriller in overtime almost went to double OT also uh 117 114 um I guess I'll go last on this one. Oh, does anyone want to start on this series I was gonna say I mean just first of all I'll address the elephant in the room the block by Bam was mm-hmm. fantastic. Like, and I've seen that's like, right there up there been, with blocked by James. <laughs> I mean, no, the block by James, but there have been a lot of great playoff blocks. I think of I think of one that to me has become really underrated was the uh, the block that Tayshawn Prince had in Richmond mm-hmm. Miller Smiles back in 04. And I've actually, you know, I've talked about Miami and I've talked about them being like giving me bad boys vibes. But you know what? I thought about it again, and this team actually gives me like that 04, 03-04 Pistons team vibe where it's like they are very – you know, they were underrated going in. They don't have a lot of – I mean, Jimmy Butler is a star. A superstar on par with guys, obviously, like, say, LeBron or Kawhi or guys like that. But, like, they just to me are – in a game like this where they're playing a team in Boston who I feel like is, is very similar with them in terms of, like, they're tough. They make they make shots. They have a lot of guys. They have a lot of guys who can go at you. I just you know I feel like this is going. I feel like this, this kind of game. I feel like is what we should expect. Like I I really like I I feel like this. I I would almost put it as a guarantee that this series goes seven games because I don't feel like either of these teams. Because I think like just with those series that Toronto just had with uh with uh Boston, I don't think either of these teams are going to give an inch. And I think actually I think. Next, I think it's a situation where the next game for Boston is a must win because I don't, they can't afford to go down 0 2 versus Miami. I feel like if Boston wins this, if Boston wins the next game in this series, I think it's going to go seven games potentially. If they don't, I think Miami could get this in maybe five or six. But I think, I mean, this was a, this was a great game overall. I mean, every, like, every, no one played really that bad, honestly. No one – I mean, Kemba didn't shoot great, but, like, no one played horrible, I don't think. Like, they were just 
just two really good teams, two really good, good teams. I'll say um, I think these teams match up really well with each other. Like, I don't think – like, no team has, like, a true center, um, but the Heat have Bam, and Bam is just taking that next step to being such a star. And I, I know we're, we're definitely going to get into Bam later with, with uh, what we got on our agenda today, but I, I was a huge Bam fan in, in uh, 2017. I was like, there's, there's so much here. I saw this there – there was a wild comparison for Bam, and that was that he was a Dwight Howard-Amari Stoudemire hybrid. And that's, that's, a little, that's a little much, obviously, but um, – I think both these teams, they play like a small ball kind of style because the Heat start Bam and the Celtics start uh, Daniel Tice. And, uh, and I think, you know, they operate on similar kind of ways and they have really good coaches. So I, I think that this is probably the most evenly matched series with uh, some of the toughest teams that we've seen. Um, Jason Tatum is, is taking that next step and it's been – awesome to see uh the fact that Danny Ainge was able to go and get they he was able to trade back with uh the Sixers to fall from number one to number three and then they took Tatum because you know it would have been interesting at at that point to to take Tatum number one but I mean obviously looking back on it now it looked like it would have been the right decision um but he has become that star and I mean taking taking wings from Duke is obviously a good idea I mean the the Lakers did it with Ingram I mean obviously they flipped him but I mean Ingram, uh, Jason Tatum. Uh, I think Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett are both going to be really good. So, you know, take those Duke wings in the draft. Jimmy Butler is just, like, one of the most clutch players I've ever seen. I remember uh, back when he was on Chicago, back when he was in Chicago, that there was a point, like, throughout his career that he had never missed a game, like a go-ahead or game-tying field goal late in the fourth quarter. So – he he just has that mentality. Him and Tatum, I think, just both have that mentality where they want the ball in their hands uh, with the game on the line. And we saw it. And it's like you knew that shot when he shot it from the corner. He faked and then he kind of stepped. He sidestepped, readjusted himself, and then absolutely buried the corner three was insane. And I I was like, you knew that shot was going in. That was so that was that was so exciting. I think this is going to be such a fun series. Obviously, yeah, Kemba didn't shoot too well. Um, Jalen Brown is another guy. I think that he had a slow start to his NBA career. It wasn't the greatest, but then, you know, he got that big contract this year and I was like, wow. Okay. I don't know why you pay him that kind of money, but, um, he showed it this season. Like he took that next step. He became like a 20 points a game scorer. He's, he's refined his, his game so well. I think the Celtics, the Celtics in the past have been kind of a team that people don't really like, but there's not that many you know, guys on this team that you can really hate. I mean, Jason Tatum has such, like, a likable energy to him. So does Jalen Brown. Kemba's, like, one of the nicest guys, like, one of the best teammates in the league. So it's hard to, you know, pick a side on these because I think that they both have such good cultures around this team, and the fact that they're so evenly matched is such a great thing. And and nobody expected Boston-Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals this year, but it's it's been awesome. I was going to say, I'll say on the, I'll say on the Boston thing, Carly, I, I feel like – yeah, I mean everyone's likable. It was Kyrie Irving. It's getting rid. Of, it's the getting rid of Kyrie Irving effect. Every team, every team usually. It seems like most teams have benefited from that. Whenever when they get when they get rid of Kyrie, so. you gotta have, you gotta have Kyrie Irving as your teammate. You know he's dogging you so hard, but then like he he goes off to Brooklyn, and then you got like the nicest dude in the league. Kemba comes in as your new 
point guard. It's got to be such a relieving thing. No, they put listen. They put their faith in their young guys and Tatum and Brown. I mean, I mean, they they reward it. And Tatum. I mean, in in terms of looking at the comparison between him and Butler, they're just they're both alphas. They're alphas in the complete sense of the word. And you know, they want that moment. They want to take that final shot. And you know, they're both the type of guys that can that you know. I feel you know if if they take it like when Tatum Tatum's at this point where if he if he were to take a last minute shot, I would I kind of expect it to go in just because like he's just he's he just makes it look so easy at times. So, I mean, yeah, no, it's – yeah, no, the duel between them is going to be really good to watch in this series. I mean, just just going off like Jimmy Butler, I think a lot of people owe him an apology for how he's played this season. I mean, I know like in the past couple of years, people have looked at Jimmy Butler and he's talked about like, oh, you know, he probably gets labeled a lot, you know, like a locker room cancer. Like I remember in Minnesota and then – going to Philadelphia as well, just talking about his locker prison. I've always been a Jimmy Butler supporter myself because I know that he has that dog in him because, I mean, I'm a bullshit, so I watch him, like, every single day. But, I mean, especially in Minnesota, people are like, oh, he forces me out. I was like, no, he just wants to win. He just wants to go at you with dog 1v1 and win. That's why it's like him going up against, like, with the fourth stringers against the Minnesota starters and beating them. I, I always love this story because that's who Jimmy Butler is. He's a winner. He wants to go out, work hard. And also with Miami, they have some nice players as well. I mean, Tyler Hero has stepped up. He almost had a – I think he was almost the first rookie with a triple-double. In a, yeah, one in assist a, away. Yeah, one assist away. And also with Boston, like Carter said, they have insanely talented team. And I think it goes also to the general managers of both sides. I mean, Danny Ainge and Pat Riley – you can make the case are probably two of the top three best general managers currently in this game. And, you know, them along with the Denver days, even with all these teams that you see currently that are playing right now, they have been just beautifully constructed. I mean, Miami's they don't have any people are going to blow you away but with the type of people that they have, with the coach that they have, with Eric Spolstra, who I always think does not get enough credit for how great of a coach he is. I think he was very overshadowed by people saying, oh, he just popped off LeBron's talent or hopped off Dwayne Wade's talent. Like, no, this man can coach, and he's a, he is a top – I'd say he's a top five coach in my opinion. I'm willing to say he's a top five coach. Same with Brad Stevens. And I'm just excited because this series is is going to be fun to watch, and it's a, it's a toss-up. I could probably have a better chance flipping a coin and picking a team. But, oof, I'm just – Happy I get to watch this series for seven games, hopefully, because I, I love watching some good basketball. I think that this series is going to be great. Um, I don't even know. See if I can talk myself into a team here by the end of what I – by the end of my thoughts on this series. But I think that it's going to be really fun to watch and – the one thing, I guess, maybe this was just me, but did anybody else think that Tatum might have been able to make that shot if he would have just laid it up instead of trying to throw down a tomahawk dunk? It was a great block by Bam, but when he blew by the guy, I feel like he could have made that or at least given himself a better shot if he would have just tried to lay it up instead of trying to tomahawk it. I mean, I get momentum and all of that stuff and adrenaline and everything, but like, when I saw it, I that that was just my thoughts on it, and obviously we'll never know. Like, if he uh, sorry to interrupt, Zach, but if he just like right. stops, pump fakes, you know, gets because you know Bam's gonna jump, you know, obviously. So 
you throw that pump fake in, just lay it up. Yeah, I could see. That but too, in the yeah. moment, it's that's tough to determine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, I would think like because like when you're when you're going up against a shot blocker, generally the thinking is that you have to be you have to go into him, you have to be aggressive. Like you're not because like I've seen a bunch of guys like especially on the fast break, I've seen a plenty of times like guys who you know there's a defender close to them and they try and lay it up and then they get blocked from behind. It's like a lot of times it's like you gotta dunk the ball, like you just gotta dunk the ball. So tell you my list it. Knowing knowing him, it's like, I mean, probably nine times out of ten, I would expect him to probably dunk that thing home. But Bam is just – he – it's literally it, – it's – you like, if he's a split second early or a split second late, then Tatum gets that bucket. He, he literally – it's just the – he had to have a perfect timing. And I don't know. I don't know if he would if, – if, I don't know if he could do it again if he tried, but that was – the one time, like it's like nine times out of ten, Taylor may make that dunk. It was the one time. That was the one time where out of bio, he got it. Yeah, and that's the craziest thing about that game was that game was such a thrilling game, and yet it really took a back seat to that Clippers game. <laughs> like that was an insanely good game, and nobody was really talking about it after outside of the block. But really, once the Nuggets took the lead on the Clippers – Nobody talked about that game anymore. And it was really interesting. I think these teams are really deep, and they're going to be really tough to beat. And I think that they're both going to be able to present a challenge in the finals to whichever team comes out of the West. I'm, not, I'm done making predictions and assumptions at this point because <laughs> uh, that doesn't work. But uh, in this series, I think it'll go six or seven games. And – my gut is telling me to pick Miami, so that means Boston's probably going to win. So I'm going to pick Boston in six. <laughs> yeah, I remember last podcast I said Heat in six, but I guess we'll figure it out. I hope they don't make me look dumb like the Clippers. So. But just another note on that game one, uh, Miami had 32 assists on 40 made field goals, which is huge just – like the points I've made in the last podcast too, the way they can share the ball, the way they don't really care who gets their numbers, that, that makes a team very dangerous. And three players last game for Miami shot at least 50% and scored at least 20 points with uh, Jay Crowder going seven for 11, five for nine from three. Dragic was 11 of 19, three for six from three. And Butler was seven, 14, two for three from three. So it's, it's tough to beat those teams that, can just get the ball moving and find open shots and be willing to take them. Like for Miami, I feel like everyone on that team just knows their role. And not only do they know it, but they perform it to the best of their ability as well, which has, which makes that team, like I said, very dangerous. Um, any last thoughts on uh, Miami and Boston before we move on? I was going to say, Bob, I mean, you were just talking about how, like, you know, in terms of how they can make shots like that. That's, like, I was going to – just to bring up the Clippers one more time, they talked about how, like, they had no – like, their chemistry was so – wasn't what they wanted. Miami is a team where – they might have one of the best – they might have the best chemistry of any team in the league or at least any team that's left in the playoffs right now. I mean, they – that is a team where – you know, you're, you're right. Everyone knows their role. Like, Duncan Robinson is not going to be – you know, taking the ball in isolation or something like that. Like they know what they're doing. They know what they're, they know what they're good at. They know what they're supposed to do. And they all, and they love playing together and they have great chemistry. And for a team that's like that, um, 
I, I, that's one reason why, why, why I think Miami is going to be able to win the series just because they just – they can – trying to find the right word. They can just – they you know, they, have, they can – they're not like – they're very um, they, they 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 have that chemistry that can to where they can if something goes wrong they're not gonna get they're not gonna get swayed they're not gonna you know not, they're not gonna get badly affected um and they can very level headed team yeah very level headed and they can make adjustments you know and so it's like I just again that's like one reason because that's the it's the one it's the main reason why why I think that even though I wouldn't be shocked if Boston wins I just I'm I'm thinking Miami I really am. And then Carter, did you have one last thing you wanted to say about this, or? I do. Uh, I heard when Josh mentioned the thing about uh, Jimmy Butler. Um, I feel like he got he got painted as such a bad like person in the media years ago when he had that whole tirade with the Timberwolves. But after the whole after the whole practice uh, incident, they asked him about you know they were he went on an interview and they asked him a bunch of stuff and he he all he did was go and praise his teammates and said who's the most naturally talented player on the team. Carl Anthony Towns, who's the most athletically gifted player, uh, Andrew Wiggins. And, and then recently he just, he, since he's been in Miami, he's like been, been almost like best friends with Tyler Hero. They basically ever since, you know, his first like rookie practice, he went at him and Tyler Hero took it and he gave it back to him. So, you know, if you follow Jimmy Butler on Instagram, his posts are really hilarious. You know, he always talks about like Tyler Tuesday and stuff. So, so he mentions that. He always mentions uh, Goran Dragic. He just called Bam Adebayo the heart and soul of the team. So I'm thinking, why, you know, why is the media always painted Jimmy Butler as a guy who, who is like this bad teammate or whatever? It just seems like he pushes his guys hard, like really hard. And that's what, you know, good players who want to win championships do. I mean, he has like some of the best work ethic in the league. He, he, he cares deeply for his teammates so I don't know. I just I just wanted to I just wanted to uh, give Jimmy Butler's flowers right now, and I think that if he ends up winning this 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 uh, the Eastern Conference and then he gets to the finals, I mean I think he's going to start being painted in another light. And I hope that he does because he deserves to be shown as a guy who wanted to win games, you know, by any means necessary. And I hope it's 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 spun as a good thing. So that's just what I wanted to add. Yes, you are. Very right. Yeah. After that story out of the Minnesota Timberwolves practice, I mean, I could see how people could paint that in a negative light. But like for me, like I've always said, I love those those dogs, those D.A.W.G.s, you know, and I would love that guy on my team. Um, We could touch real quick. Uh, Western Conference Finals, Lakers Nuggets first game tomorrow at nine on TNT. I guess I'll start. Um, I think. See, it's because it's like, how can you bet against the Nuggets at this point? But then how can you bet against LeBron? So I'm going to do something crazy here. I'm going to say Nuggets and seven, which I know might be a little unpopular, but how can you count out a team that's – they've been – unless they're down 3-0, I mean, they've, they have all the capacity to come back. We've seen it twice in a row. So I'm going to go Nuggets and seven on this one. I, oh, no, I mean, Bob, I mean, listen, it's like, it's so hard. But the thing about it is, is that the Lakers, they've had the pattern of where, you know, the, their first two series against the Trailblazers against the Rockets, they lost game one, they got punched in the mouth, but then they come right back, they put their foot on, their, on each of those teams' throats, and they did not let off. And they took care of their business. Like, they did. Like, I feel like it's like the Lake, listen, at the end of the day, the Lakers, there wasn't, they, they, didn't, they didn't open the door back up. 
they took a punch. They're like, okay, we're going to adjust. And they did. And they took care of their business. So I just think, because here's the thing. The key thing is, is that neither, I mean, obviously, Rudy Gobert is a great big man. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But, you know, with Jokic, with, with, Jokic with his perimeter skills makes that a difficult matchup for him. And the Clippers just did not have a big man, they, whether it's Zubox or Harold. They, they did not have anyone who could match up with Jokic in that series. The Lakers have Anthony Davis. And Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee are not scrubs either. Those guys are legit. Hey, they're seven-foot guys who are both, you know, who both can defend block shots. The Lakers have the size and the athleticism up front to, to really present a challenge for Jokic in this series. And so, to, to me, that would mean that would mean Jamal Murray, you know, he's going to really have to win that matchup against whoever the, whoever the Lakers have him at guard, which could be, you know, I mean, probably going to be what Tavis Caldwell Pope and Rajon Rondo. Obviously, Rajon Rondo, he's come alive. He came alive in that second round against the Houston Rockets. And I just – I feel like what that with LeBron – I feel like LeBron now – I know some people could say, like, oh, well, now that he doesn't have to face the Clippers, is, is he going to be as motivated? Yes, he is going to be. Because now LeBron's like, okay, it's my time. Like, this is the easiest road I'll have to get a fourth ring that I'll probably ever have again. So I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to get this team out of my way. I'm going to get the – whoever comes out of the East out of my way and I'm going to get that fourth ring. And then we can, and then we can start having goat conversations again <laughs> after that happens. So I think that I, I, I think it's going to be a series. I'm not going to say the nuggets aren't going to be competitive, but I just feel like that LeBron and AD it's just different. I don't think they're going to miss however many straight shots in a quarter like Kawhi and Paul George did. I just don't think that's going to happen again. So I definitely think it's going to be a series. But if I had to go right now, I, I'll, I think I'm going to take the Lakers in six. I'm, th- I'm going to take the Lakers in six. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I look at the Lakers and I think they match up better with the Nuggets than the Clippers, in my opinion. So that's why I was hoping that the Clippers didn't win against the Nuggets because uh, – I really want LeBron to win his fourth ring. I mean, especially with all the Kobe incident. I mean, I'm really rooting hard for the Lakers. But, um, yeah, with the matchup, like you said, I mean, I don't see who's going to guard. I mean, how Anthony Davis matches up with Jokic. And also, you got LeBron James. And, uh, unfortunately, I made the mistake of betting against LeBron in the first round against Portland. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm not betting LeBron when he's this motivated in the playoffs. And, you know, both of them are looking amazing. It's hard for me to say because I know the Nuggets will steal a couple games against them no matter what. I mean, this team is just too talented. They're young. They're hungry. And Jamal Murray's been playing outside his mind this whole entire playoffs. And don't get me wrong, Jokic isn't going to get locked up by AD by any means. I mean, Jokic is still going to get his fair share of points, assists, and rebounds. But – um. It's, it's just I don't want to go against the Nuggets. I'll probably end up going Lakers in seven. I'm going to put, like, all my college savings on the Nuggets money line for game one just due to the fact that the the Lakers kind of lose game the house, one. Baby. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, this – this is the toughest test, I think, for the Lakers. Uh, the, this Nuggets team is, is so tough. They're so hungry. They – seem like they could be like a team of destiny. I mean, they 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 kind of remind me a little bit of like the 2011 Mavericks where they're basically counted out and, you know, they just they just 
play out of their minds just for, you know, this amount of time. I mean, you know, there, I, I don't know if there were really that many questions about Jokic really, but I mean, if there were any, cause I remember, you know, Dirk in that series a long time ago, folks were questioning if he could, if he could be a winner and, and he ended up winning one. I mean, he kind of rode that out for his career, but I mean, Jokic could definitely do it. I, the guy is just insanely talented. Like there's no doubt that he's the best center in the league. I think at this point, uh, uh, but this is, Le- again, this is LeBron and Anthony Davis and the Los Angeles Lakers we're talking about. I mean, LeBron is just, I I mentioned it, you know, since before the bubble, he's just so determined to get that fourth ring. He just seems like he's on a mission that he's never been on before. And we've seen LeBron on revenge tours and missions throughout his entire career. But this one just looks different. I mean, this guy is 35 or 36, I think. It's his 17th year in the league and he's leading the league in assists. And it's, you wonder if the guy's timeless and I think he just might be, I mean, this is just one of, we, we are just like so blessed and, and, and favored to be able to get to see LeBron James play. And this is 2020 and LeBron's been in the league since 2003. Is the guy ever going to leave his prime? I mean, I mean, you know, LeBron at this point when he's averaging like 27, 11 and whatnot, some guys will never, you know, some really good players will never reach that point. So I just think that, I mean, I love the, I love the Nuggets. I love how they've been playing. Mike Malone has done a fantastic job coaching this, this season and throughout the bubble and throughout the playoffs. But I, I don't know how they beat LeBron and the, and the Lakers. I mean, I'll take the Lakers in six. <laughs> I think that, the Lakers are going to be an extremely tough matchup for the Nuggets. They're they're going to have – I don't know that they have anybody to guard either LeBron or AD. Jokic is not that great of a defender. He's an outstanding offensive player, but he's never been that great of a defender. And then after that, I have no idea who they're going to try. I mean, Millsap can't guard LeBron. But the Nuggets haven't won with defense. They don't ever win with defense. They haven't won with defense all year long. They're going to outscore you because they're going to get buckets and they're going to make plays. And I don't think that they're going to beat the Lakers. I would love to see them beat the Lakers. That would be great. I would. I love chaos and parody and this stuff. And I would love to see the Twitter meltdown if the Nuggets beat the Lakers. Because NBA Twitter is always the craziest place. So to see people, if the Nuggets win that series, would just be insane. But I can't pick it. Um, if I did, that would be a guarantee that the Lakers would win. So I'm not going to pick the, uh, the Nuggets. I'm going to pick the Lakers. Um, give, me Lakers in, give me Lakers in seven. Somebody, I heard somebody make a good point, and I looked into it and verified it. Jokic and Murray have never had a playoff series not go seven games in their careers. So I'm going to take Lakers in seven. Very good stat there, Zach. I've never, I never knew that. <laughs> so also in the news, uh, the all NBA teams came out. Um, I'll just rattle off the names real quick. Uh, on the first team, LeBron and Giannis were both unanimous picks and well-deserved. Uh, the rest of the team consists of Harden, AD, and Luka Doncic. The second team is Kawhi Leonard, uh, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, shout out Dame Dalla, uh, Chris Paul, and Pascal Siakam. While the third team 
is Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, and Russell Westbrook. So around this time, and like uh, Zach said before, NBA Twitter is quite chaotic, especially during the All-NBA teams and during the All-Star game. Um, so we're just going to go over some some people who maybe were snubbed, I guess, because um, it's it's really tough to sometimes to argue these. Um, we'll s- just go down the line. Uh, Carter, who who's your uh, your first snub? My biggest snub is I I'm going to have to go with Bradley Beal. I mean, the guy played out of his mind this entire season. And obviously, you know, I think that the the criteria one of the one of the biggest points of criteria for making the All NBA team is is your team has to have a winning record, and that makes sense to me, I guess. But my thing is, is who is who is Bradley Beal's second best player? It, is it Isaiah Thomas at this point in Isaiah Thomas's career? Is it Thomas Bryant? I mean, maybe Rui he doesn't Hachimara. have much to work. <laughs> Who's Isaac Bonga? <laughs> uh, Rui Hachimara, but Rui really Hachimura. Yeah, I mean, I mean that that Wizards team is not very good. Uh, but Bradley Beal just played out of his mind the whole year. I mean, they hung around the the nine ten spot the whole season with not a whole lot of talent. There's some. There was definitely some good players like Rui Hachimura is a solid rookie, and Thomas Bryant is like a good double double big man who's pretty talented. But Bradley Beal had averaged thirty and six this year, and I think he was one of the only, if not the only, uh player to not make any NBA team averaging those numbers. I think, you know, I, I just don't think that's fair, you know, in accordance with his team record because he did everything he can to have those Wizards win as many games as they can. He was, you know, directly responsible for any and all success that that team had. And and then another one, obviously, along the same lines as, as team record is Trey Young, uh, averaging 30 and 10 or 30 and 9 in his, in his rookie season. He, obviously, you know, that team isn't good either, but for the first half of the season, when John Collins went down with the suspension, his second best player was uh, was Jabari Parker uh, as his as his number two guy. So I mean, I know obviously the Hawks weren't very good, and he and Trey Young obviously isn't great on defense, but he has those generational offensive numbers that he could have made the, the team as well. So I mean, it's unfortunate that those guys you know didn't make the list, but I think I I have I have other thoughts as well, but I'll I'll, I'll let them go. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, looking at the list, there's one thing I would there's one thing I would immediately say because even though it was based off the regular season, if you're go, even if you're going on the regular season, Pascal Siakam on the second team to me should not be over Jason Tatum was on the third. I would I would immediately flip that. And you know, I mean, God, we're, we're based on the playoffs. Pascal that he would not be on a lot of people's <laughs> list based on how he played for Toronto. But no, I think well, the biggest thing to me, I think the biggest overrated one is Russell Westbrook. Just because I feel like Westbrook, it's not that he's he's not bad. I mean, he'll obviously still give you scoring, and when he's attacking the rim, he still is able to call. I mean, he can cause a lot of havoc still. And he had a stretch where, from I think once the year turned to 2020, there was a stretch where he finally stopped trying to shoot a bunch of threes, and he was as efficient as he is, as he had been in a long time, and he was playing really well. But if we're basing it on like overall criteria, I mean, I feel like a guy like Kyle Lowry definitely would be a worthy worthy third guard, at the, you know, a worthy guy at that spot. You know, obviously Bradley Beal with the way that I know we have in, in the doc that, that that he's the only one since 1988 who, who averaged 30 points per game and six assists and did not make any all-NBA teams. 
I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty, it's, it's hard because obviously the, the Wizards were bad and especially bad defensively. Like I feel like the also not being able to be great defensively is probably another, another stipulation of being, you know, being on the all NBA. But other than that, um, you know, we have on the list, we have guys like Chris Milton who could be in on there. Obviously Joel Embiid and Carl Anthony Towns, um, you know, you could argue them over Rudy Gobert, although Rudy Gobert consistency wise, I think both of those, I mean, he, he plays defenses. I mean, obviously the guy's a great, he's one of the best defensive bigs in the league, if not the best. Um, I don't have, I mean, really other than, other than maybe Beal over, over Westbrook or, or, or Larry like that, I don't have a problem with like most of the guys that are on this list. I feel like the first team is pretty much what we would all say would be. I feel like the I would flip I would flip Tatum to the second team, but then the second team I think that's a pretty good list. Kawhi, Jokic, Lillard, and, and Chris Paul, um, Jimmy Butler definitely deserves to be on there. Ben Simmons is tough for me, just because of how he can't shoot, and even though he's a great defender and he's a great passer, it's again where it's like. You know, you look at the year like a guy like Chris Middleton had or like Bam Adebayo or, or, or you know, or um, Devin. But it, it's him and him and his and Westbrook's inclusions, I feel like, are the two that can be most hotly debated on this list. Not that they're not good. Obviously, Ben Simmons is obviously Ben Simmons is a very good player. But just based on the year the Sixers had, because it's not like the Sixers were they were good. They weren't great, though. And obviously, they got flamed down the first round with him not playing. But like. Those are the two guys that I would think really I would debate on. Other than that, I really don't have a problem with anyone else that's on this list, honestly. I mean, for me personally, when I look at the LMB third team, I mean, for when I just look at the process of it, one thing that I don't like is that they base it on positions. And it's like in this, in this league, I mean, you're basically in a positionless, positionless league today. So, like, when I saw, like, the voting came out, I saw Chris Milton had more votes than Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. I'm just like, if you have more points than them in voting, you should more than likely get in. And no, like you said, nothing against Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. They're two are amazing, amazing players. But I mean, like when I did when I put out my All NBA teams that I made before the bubble started, I basically had the same team they did, except I just switched out Bradley Beal and Chris Middleton for Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook. I mean, it's, it's hard. I understand the point that they're coming from. It's like, if you're going to contribute at a little bit less on a team that's probably a one-seed or two-seed, I understand why you get that call over a guy like Bradley Peel or a guy like maybe Brandon Ingram or Trey Young. But it's just – it just doesn't sit well for me, knowing that – I mean – and I get it. Westbrook puts up great stats, and on paper, you look at his numbers, it's like, oh, it's amazing. But it, I think it goes beyond just – stats and numbers, just the way he plays, et cetera, with him and Ben Simmons. So, for me, that's probably the only thing I'd take those two off and add Beal and probably Chris Middleton over them. And also probably, yeah, that's about all I'd probably do, but I'm being honest. Yeah, like you said, my biggest thing is with the way that the system's set up. Um, Chris Middleton was the number two on the team with the best record in the NBA, which at the point of them voting, nothing, the playoffs hasn't happened yet. So that's the best team in the NBA. 
He was the number two player. I believe he was an all-star starter. He should not be left off the team because some people decided that he was a guard and some decided he was a forward. Like, are you kidding me? That just, it doesn't make, it has no basis in logic, in my opinion. I don't, I don't get it. But with that being said, um, I, I would say probably I would do about the same as you said, Josh, with Beal and him. Beal was, I think a lot of people forget how good Beal, Bradley Beal was playing before the shutdown because he was on another level for a little while. It was like 40-point game, 50-point game, night after night. And there was nothing anybody could do to stop him. And then they go to the bubble, and, I mean, the Wizards probably shouldn't have even been invited to the bubble. There wasn't really any reason for them to be there. But then again, there wasn't really any reason for the Nugget, or for the Nets or the Magic to be there either. I mean, they had to be. But, like, in terms of the best teams in the league, they, they weren't there. And they weren't on – the level of basketball we've seen played in the bubble has been extremely high, but those three teams just don't fit that. Like even the Suns and the Spurs, they were playing good basketball. The, those teams are, were not. But, and that kind of hurt Bradley Beal's image a little bit, but he was playing so well before the shutdown, and I think he probably deserved to be on there as well. So like Josh said, those are the only two things I think I have. I I think these lists are pretty good. Sorry, I was on my other monitor, so I had to move the mouse. And but anyways, <laughs> um, one one last thing on uh, Trey Young too. He's only the fifth player in NBA history to average at least twenty nine points, nine assists. And some of the guys on this list, I mean, you've got Harden, Westbrook, uh, Nate Tiny Archibald, who in I believe it was 73-74, averaged 34-11. and 11. And then you have the great Oscar Robertson, who did it for seven straight years, but we're not here to talk about Oscar Robertson. Um, another guy who I think maybe should have made it as well, you could definitely make a case for, is Brandon Ingram. I mean, if you look at Pascal Siakam's numbers and you compare them to Brandon Ingram's, they're pretty similar. I mean, Pascal averages – about one more rebound. Ingram averages, a, you know, he scores a little more, but I mean, and he was the most improved player this year. Um, but just watching Brandon Ingram this year, who I don't know if you guys play fantasy basketball, but I remember picking him up off the waivers first day of the season and he was incredible. I mean, the 23.8 points, shooting almost 40% from three and his free throw percentage, I guess I didn't realize earlier in his career it was pretty bad um last not last season but the season before he shot 67.5 percent and he brought that up to 85.1 so I'd make the case for Brandon Ingram as well um who else did we have down here we didn't touch on uh even Devin Booker before the bubble who you as we all know was absolutely sensational during the bubble but put up about 26 points 49% from the field, 35 from three, six and a half assists, 4.2 rebounds. And you can almost, granted, his team wasn't as bad as Bradley Beal's talent-wise, but, I mean, he basically had to do it all himself as well. Um, so did we have any final thoughts on all NBA teams? Any, any last ones? All right. Well, 
It's been a great show, you guys. I always love coming on here and just talking basketball, you know? So from all of us at Impact 89 FM, this has been episode four of Courtside Convo with your host Bobby Zuffro and co-host Josh Rayapan, Darren Baydoon, Zach Serdinick, Carter Landis. We'll see you all next week. Have a great weekend and spread the word.